Merry Christmas! I'm Dan Chun. Welcome to First Prez here at Ko'olau. Amazing. Just imagine all over the world right now. People are saying, come all you faithful. Come let us adore him. For God has come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ. Indeed, Christmas is an incredible holy time. And there's a special feeling and aura. But why is that? Is it the special lights or decorations around town or in the home or how the malls appear more sparkly or dazzling and colorful? It's certainly not that special feeling of being with so many people during Black Friday as they sharply elbow you out of the way to get that deal or that special toy you wanted is stolen out of your hand. Or when you're at Costco and you want that sample of food and someone else grabs it just before your fingers can get to it. I actually was at Costco last week patiently watching a demonstration of a Vitamix juicer uh, machine, waiting to get a sample of this nutritious drink. And then when the demonstration was done and I moved forward to get that delicious high vitamin beverage, a crowd of people cut in front of me to take the first cups. I hate it when people cut in line in front of me. There will be a special place in the universe for line cutters. May not be cold. Bah humbug. Merry Christmas. But get this, part of the true story of Christmas are the crowds, and maybe even irritating crowds. Thousands of people jamming into a city for a census, and you young people, kids, that means head count, as the Bible tells this prelude to the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke, where it says this, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was a governor of Syria all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously Hapai, pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, The angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This is what makes Christmas so wonderful, that God came to this earth in the form of a baby named Jesus. 
But notice, his arrival comes with great discomfort. Joseph and Mary, who is probably nine months pregnant, have to walk, or maybe ride a wagon or an animal, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, out in the open, vulnerable to the elements. It is not necessarily comfortable being nine months pregnant riding in a nice air-conditioned car, let alone traveling out in the open. Poor Mary. From Nazareth to Bethlehem is 80 miles if you walk a straight line. But most Nazarenes took a longer route because they wanted to bypass the territory of Samaria, which lay in between for there was much bad feelings between the Samaritans and the Jews. Plus, there was the risk of attacks by bandits all along the way. And some scholars say the journey would have taken at least a week to get to Bethlehem. Poor Mary. They get to Bethlehem, and the crowds are bigger than any shopping mall or Costco. Tired, weary, they find no room in any inn, and perhaps then Mary says those fateful words to Joseph, Hey, honey, I think my water broke. (laughs) Kids, uh, ask your relatives later what that means. But basically, she's about to have a baby. And imagine Mary is about to deliver her first child. There is no Queen's West Hospital or Queen's East or Southwest or Kaiser or Kapilani or Straub or any polymomy for a holy mommy (laughs) with a painful tummy. And they end up in an unsterile stable. And baby Jesus is born in humble, dirty beginnings. And all the germaphobes here are thinking, okay, where's the Perel in this story? (laughs) Now, life was difficult for the very beginning of Jesus' birth. It was incredibly emotionally hard. Even before the journey, some nine months prior, when Joseph learned his betrothed was pregnant. I mean, imagine this. So let's back up way before Bethlehem and read from the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, where it says this. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. And while he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, meaning God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. And this would bring an Old Testament prophecy to full term, where it says, watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew, for God is with us. Then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary but he didn't consummate the marriage until she had the baby. He named the baby Jesus. Poor Joseph. When Joseph's fiancée Mary first got pregnant, Joseph knew he didn't have any relations with her, so it must mean she was unfaithful and had been intimate with another man. 
His whole world was shattered. He thought he knew Mary. How could she be so unfaithful? How could she break a vow of engagement, which back then was as sacred as a marriage vow? The way he planned his life, his, his career, his hopes, his plans were all jumbled about. They were all hammer jang. But he decided that he would be honorable in dealing with her. He would secretly break their engagement and not disgrace her. And that is when, in a dream, an angel of the Lord came to him and told him that Mary was going to give birth to Jesus. And so the theme of what it means to follow Jesus began. The true meaning of Christmas is that God can bring joy in the midst of dashed dreams and shattered hopes because God can be involved in our lives even when it's a mess if we so choose. He's always there. He's actually helping us a lot more than we think. But often we're just unaware. The great thing about Christ in this world is that when bad things happen, they may not necessarily be bad for the Lord always has one more move. Now, being Chinese, I remember this proverbial Chinese story. A farmer and his son owned a stallion that helped the family earn a living. And one day, the horse ran away, and their neighbors exclaimed, Your horse ran away! What terrible luck! And the farmer replied, Maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. Days later, the horse returned home. And to the surprise of all, the horse was leading a few wild mares back to the farm as well. The neighbors shouted, your horse has returned and brought several horses home with him. What great luck. And the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. Later that week, the farmer's son was riding one of the mares, trying to train her, and suddenly she threw him up into the air and down to the ground he fell, breaking his leg. And the villagers cried, your son broke his leg. What terrible luck. And the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. A few weeks later, soldiers from the National Army marched through town, recruiting all the able-bodied boys for the army. And they didn't take the farmer's son, still recovering from his injury. And friends later said, hey, your boy is spared. What tremendous luck. To which the farmer replied, maybe so, maybe not. We'll see. The moral of this story is that no one event can be judged as purely good or purely bad, not lucky or unlucky, for only time will tell. But more than time, it's good to have a loving God who blesses us and uses so-called bad events for good. For we can read in the Bible this amazing verse, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Didn't say some things or a few things but, or one thing, but all things will work together for good for those who love God and follow his purpose. We all need help when things go wrong and we can get stressed and we need faith that somehow it'll turn out for the good. Following Jesus is one of the greatest stress relievers 
Because if you have faith in a loving God, whatever happens, good or bad, you know that Jesus can make good out of the really bad so that all things, yes, all things, can work together for good. Once upon a time, my wife Pam and I took a church group on a tour of Greece and Turkey to walk in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. It's one of the best tours I've ever been on. Great food, great historical places, great art. But the tour didn't start off so well. It was because I, the tour leader, slept through the boarding time to get on the plane to leave Honolulu to go to Greece. Pam and I missed the flight, and we were the tour guides. When setting my alarm on my iPhone, I was spinning the dials to set the wake up for the flight, and I had accidentally spun it to 3 p.m. instead of 3 a.m. to wake up. When I realized my, my mistake, I exclaimed, gosh darn, like many of you would have said. And since then, I've always set two alarms to wake myself up. So picture this. The whole tour was at the airport, and I was still in bed when my wife, Pam, woke me up. We dashed down to the airport, to the ticket counter, and literally the plane door closed minutes before we got there. I felt horrible. I told the ticket agent that I have to get on that flight. I am the tour leader. Didn't work. And so I threw every reason I could think of at her. They need me. There are 30 of them on the tour. They are Lolo and won't know where to go, go. There is someone who is disabled on the flight. I am disabled, at least time-wise. And the agent looked at me and gave me the look like, well, it's a bummer to be you. My tour group, made up of mostly church members, thought I was the biggest dunce in the world. Um, Actually, they still do. (laughs) Or at least the sleepiest one in town. And after they boarded the plane, get this, some even thought that I was rude because I must be sitting in first class, and that's why they didn't see me. While they were in their back economy seats, they thought I was sitting in the Holy of Holies in first class, drinking champagne and eating turbinado sea salt almonds. Sounds classy, but turbinado just means brown sugar. So on the contrary, I wasn't in first class. I had no class. I had missed the flight. But then we remember... How does it work when God says all things work together for good if you give it enough time to work it out with him? Well, for one, when the tour company realized in Athens that I had missed the flight and I was still in Honolulu, they gave the tour group an extra benefit of a museum visit that was not on their itinerary, plus extra meals. And when I arrived a day later, we still got to see the planned sites of the Acropolis and Mars Hill. They were blessed, even though I was a bumpkin. But prior to our arrival, while they were in Greece, I was feeling so guilty and so stupid for having missed the flight and wallowing in my guilt and feeling quite depressed about this whole thing that, and I'm here still in Honolulu, I took my dog, Max, my Yorkshire Terrier Poodle, for a walk. But then I noticed on the walk, Max was trying to pee but he couldn't. My Yorkie poo could not Yorkie pee. (laughs) 
I got scared. So we took him to our vet, and lo and behold, Max had a blockage. And had we gotten on that flight and no one noticed this problem, Max could have died. But because we had that whole extra day in Honolulu, Max got help by my vet and cleared up, and Max is today healthy and calm and alive and having fun with Pam. God works in ways that we don't always see. For some, it's just a coincidence. But if you can possibly see that there is an intelligent design in the universe, and if you possibly believe the true Christmas story in the Bible that God has come to earth in the form of Jesus, then you know he wants to be involved in our lives and he is actually with us. To be clear, it doesn't mean our pain and suffering and quickly after a few prayers, but I believe someday, someday, good will come even if it's after months or years. And you can say, oh, it's just a coincidence these things happen, or maybe it's intelligent design. There's an intelligent being in this universe a loving one. And I believe God is always trying to help us whether we have faith or not, and he will send a star to Bethlehem to lead astrological wise men to him or even give dreams like he did to Joseph. Did you know God still speaks to us in dreams? My son, Dylan, recently had a dream. He saw himself and his close friend, whom I shall call Kyle, standing on top of a tall building facing a beautiful skyline. And for years, Kyle had been trying to find a job. He had a medical disability that delayed his search. Some days, his pain was like 7 out of 10. Being out of the job market for a few years made it even harder to get back in. And over the years, he had applied for more than 100 positions. No exaggeration. Phone interviewed 30-plus times, had eight uh, in-person, on-site interviews, but nothing proved fruitful. He was always turned down. And maybe you've been there. You know what that's like. But in this dream of my son, Dylan, Kyle looked at the building they were standing on and said to my son, Dylan, I'm going to work here. Now, in the dream, Dylan recognized the company logo on that building. And so after he woke up, he contacted Kyle and said, you have got to apply to this company I dreamed of. And he sent him a website link. Well, Kyle looked at the website, but unfortunately there were no openings for him. But over the next months, he kept checking and checking, and eventually something did open up, and he did apply. In the end, Kyle got the job in the exact city, exact company in the dream. And the dream led to ending a drought of years of unemployment. It also turned out that this company worked in a highly specialized domain in which Kyle was an expert. It was a perfect fit after years of painful searching. And he probably would never have applied for it had it not been for a dream. And I would say a supernatural intervention of a dream like Joseph had in our Christmas story. And here's this, God still speaks today. In fact, our church is here because of a supernatural dream. After having considered hundreds of places to move due to the growth of our church and actually walking over like 30 or 50 properties, someone had a dream back in 2004 of me preaching here at this golf club. And we thought, wow, that is like super weird. 
But here we are today as the, as the owners of a place that was never in our sights until someone had a dream. God was right. And next year, we're gonna be starting an additional new satellite campus in Kaka'ako on Halekawila Street, just off Punchbowl, where we can offer more worship services in the downtown area. But focusing on today, the sufferings and challenges that many of us here in this room are far greater than missing a plane flight or waiting years for a job, though that is extremely painful. Some of you are facing a terminal illness or a disease that is most scary. And some of you are having financial challenges or relationship issues, or worse, you've lost uh, a pet, um, a friend, a loved one through death. And some of you students may have gotten some tough news. You didn't get into the school you wanted or you didn't get on the team or you didn't get the scholarship or the award you wanted. Some people here may have an issue of addiction or a very strained relationship or a medical issue maybe you haven't told anybody about or maybe an injustice in or outside our our court system that you have been fighting for years and for all of, all of these there seems to be no light at the end of the tunnel. The real reason we celebrate Christmas is because if it is true that God came to earth in Jesus, then it means God wants to get involved in our personal lives and give us hope. It means not to give up hope. He loves us. It doesn't mean he's gonna take away our pain with a snap of our fingers. It may take years to resolve, but it does mean he will walk with us and help us, and if the timing is right, heal us. I like what Pope Francis once said, and I have a card of his quote on my desk that says, there is no cross, big or small, in our life which the Lord does not share with us. Any pain we have, big or small, Jesus came to help bear the burden. He wants to be in our life story. Now, what does that mean, God wants to be in our story? The Christian British author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis, explained it this way. In Shakespeare's plays, characters like Hamlet or Lady Macbeth or Romeo and Juliet might want to meet Shakespeare in their scenes, like walk into an attic or say, oh, there he is, but they never will. They are unable to meet him because Shakespeare is the author of the play. He is not in their play. He, they will never meet him unless, unless Shakespeare writes himself into their story. God is the author of life on earth and on Christmas day, he writes himself into the story of our lives as Jesus so that we might finally meet him and know him. God is not some distant author or creator. He desires to be our everyday friend and Lord and savior in Jesus Christ. And most importantly, God loves us. So in the true story of, of Dylan and his friend Kyle, Kyle is not a follower of Jesus. And he's actually not sure how to process this whole situation in terms of faith. And that's okay. It doesn't matter to Jesus wanting to bring people like Kyle whom he loves closer to God. 
Dylan has great faith and believes God wrote himself into Kyle's story and Dylan has been praying for Kyle for years as many of you have been praying for your friends or children or grandchildren, colleagues. Whether it's three wise men who are not believers who follow a star or someone like Kyle, God is always trying to reach out to us through stars, through dreams, through events, through people, through music. You today here in this room might not have much faith. Maybe you're like Kyle, and that's okay. It's great that you are here. Maybe your light of faith was, was never there, or maybe it was there, but now it's just been snuffed out, or maybe today your faith is as small as a pilot light. But here on this Christmas Eve, God is saying to you this afternoon, lean on me. Trust me. Bring with you whatever light you have, big or small. And when bad things happen, we may realize that we have tried everything else. And so why not surrender and fully fall into the arms of Jesus? Or may the Holy Spirit fall on us. Feel his presence and bring whatever little faith or light you may have to him. And so I ask you, on this Christmas Eve of 2018, will you give God a chance and surrender and fall into his arms? Our church has a tradition here on Christmas Eve. I'm going to close with a prayer that you might actually feel the presence and peace of Jesus or experience a physical or emotional healing today. In a moment, I'm going to say a miracle prayer for you all to be healed or have a prayer answered in some way that you might understand right this afternoon. Now, it may not happen today, the answer, or maybe it will happen tomorrow or much later. I can't make guarantees because I'm not the one doing the healing. God is. The first time we did this, almost a decade ago or so on Christmas Eve, a woman who came to this service with a cane left the service with no need for a cane after the mass healing prayer. And there have been many other miraculous healings since then, healings from disease or depression or injury. People have felt faith, hope, love, joy. Underneath the chairs at the ends of your rows is a basket of red satin rosebuds. If you could reach for them now, it's under the aisle chair in your row that is closest to the center of the sanctuary. Or if you're in the overflow room, in the, the seat that's closest to this um, sanctuary. And I'm asking you to pick up that basket right now and then each of you may take a rose and pass the basket down the aisle. There are enough roses for everyone in the row. If you want to take more than one, fine. Maybe you have some friends or relatives you want to be praying for. And, or you can get more later from the ushers. And when I pray, I want you to hold on to that rose and clutch it and then pray with me. And the day God answers your prayer in a way you understand, I want you, whether child or adult, to explain how to send me a letter with the rose to explain how God answered your prayer and how you saw, heard, felt God in your life with that request. And we will put your rose on our Christmas wreath for all to see next year. In the last year, we had roses returned to us with letters that described many kinds of answered prayers and you can see all the roses there. And I read every single letter that comes in telling 
me to name a few that they are now uh, this year in remission of cancer or they had a successful heart surgery or a great college acceptance or birth of a healthy child or back pain removed or for one person the acceptance of of Jesus into his life many many answered rose prayers so look at that wreath made up of hundreds of roses that were returned with letters explaining a miracle prayer that happened on Christmas Eve. So I want to end with a simple, miraculous prayer for you all. So I ask you to please bow your heads as I ask for God's Holy Spirit to come upon us that we might feel the warmth of his love and his grace and his healing power. You might feel the warmth right now. And as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I will ask those of you who have a physical ailment who desire healing to please put your hand on or near that area of concern. And if you have an emotional issue that you desire prayer for, if you could put your hand on your heart. Now let's, let's pray. Come Holy Spirit and fill this room and drench us with your love. And Holy Spirit, may you flow into our bodies from the top of our head through our bodies through the bottom of our feet like a gentle waterfall or a gentle stream rinsing us and cleansing us and first of all Lord those who have a physical ailment or an injury maybe a broken arm or a sprained ankle or a chest pain issue maybe a, a blood flow issue I pray in the name of Jesus, bodies be healed. For others who might have migraines or lack of hearing or a difficulty in hearing. For those who might have what has been called a a possible terminal disease, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, bodies be healed. Lord, you know all of the issues here and there's no way I humanly can know. So I pray, Lord, that in your name, that you might heal the people here, whatever the issue, whether it's their neck or back or hip or knee, their jaw, whether it's TMJ, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Lord, you know their issue. And for those who have an emotional challenge right now, a burden on their hearts, I pray that right now your Holy Spirit is ministering to them and that you might lift the burden of that depression or that anxiety give them hope for scripture says when hope is deferred the heart grows sick and so Lord give them hope that they're not alone that you're with them that there are others with them and help them forgive or receive forgiveness help them to know that they are children of you and you offer them your unconditional love And Lord, give them the tools to be honest and humble with the issues they're facing. Be humble enough to seek help, whether it's through therapy or making appointments with friends. Lord, I pray all these things. As you know their issues, I pray for your healing for them. In your name, in Christ's name, amen. Before I give the final blessing, I just want to say again, thank you so much for being with us this weekend. And we know there are many choices, but you chose to be with us. We feel very blessed. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to come back next Sunday. Or if you really like this, come back next service. But uh, (laughs) 
Now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his grace be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful Christmas spirit, which is really the love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. God bless. Merry Christmas.